I had a teacher in major seminary that called temples, the pagan temples, the Greek temples, the various others, God traps. And uh, he may have been a little bit uh, exaggerating about, about what they really thought they were, but uh, having, uh, having had a course in Greek mythology, I kind of knew where he was coming from, because any time humans and gods intermixed, somebody was in trouble. Either, this is not, uh, not just making it up or whatever, but either uh, it was, if it was a woman, she ended up either dead in, in, in Hades or pregnant, and the men almost always ended up dead, period. And so they didn't want, in, in a very real way, they didn't want the gods messing with them uh, and because they were ter terrified of the gods. They were scared of the gods. And so they built temples basically as a way of saying, you, God, you stay there. If I need you, I will go to you. If you need us, you can ask the priests who serve your temple to come and find us. But, but we're, we're just going to keep our distance. But what should happen if a god reveals himself to them and says, well, where's my shrine? Well, they'd be in major trouble, right? So the Athenians thought about it. Well, we'll build a shrine. The gods aren't that intelligent. If you, if you read Greek mythology, the Greek gods aren't that intel intelligent at all. And uh, Zeus thinks with, uh, not with his brain. Uh, and and well, they could, they, could, they could just simply say, oh, we didn't know what your name was, and so we made a shrine for you. It's right over there. It's marked for, for the unknown god. But St. Paul comes in, and he turns all of that on its head. He says, you're worshiping what you do not know. You're worshiping the God that I serve. You're worshiping God who created you, the, the God in whom you live and move and have your being. You, you, you worship him that you, you know, you recognize that you're sons and daughters. And this God loves you. You don't need to be terrified of this God. And there, you can, at least I get the sense, maybe you hopefully do too, that they're following along quite well. Oh, this is good. We don't have to be terrified of the gods. We don't have to be afraid of them. And then when, of course, St. Paul mentions resurrection, their tone changes. Ha! What? Resurrection? Most of the time, most people stay dead. And we know there are some sicknesses that mimic death and the person comes back. But and we know in the Gospels, of course, Jesus heals and raises. But what he does really, Lazarus being perhaps the most famous one, uh, is really resuscitation because they died again. Lazarus in, in uh, uh, the city just jumps out of my, 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 my brain. There's actually two tombs for Lazarus, and both were used because he was in the tomb for four days, and then he died again. Most people stay dead. And the Greeks, knowing that, and they, they were nothing if not wise, especially the Athenians. Sparta was maybe a little more warlike than wise, but, but uh, the, they, the Athenians prided themselves on wisdom, and they said, what, from the dead? No, we cannot believe. And others, oh, we'll like to hear about this some other time. It's a polite way of saying, gee, look at the time, I got to get going, I have a commitment. Get me out of here. <laughs> I, there's one of my brother priests had it lined up. If the meeting was boring, he had somebody call him and, and oh, I got an emergency, and he'd go and play cards. <laughs> It'd be that kind of thing. 
anything to get us out of this conversation. And St. Paul probably left a little dejected. After all, he had reviewed Greek literature with them. He referred to the poets. And from this point on, he just proclaims the gospel. And it's as if he understands that they're going to reject the gospel if they're going to reject the gospel. Nothing I see, drawing on, on all their literature or whatever, it's not going to draw them in. But if they're going to accept the gospel, they will accept the gospel. What's the difference? The presence of the Holy Spirit working in their lives. Is the Holy Spirit working with them? And, and here we have Dionysius and, and uh, Damaris named, two who begin to follow, two who uh, begin to proclaim Jesus, Dionysius most especially. In fact, uh, he, he was so popular that, that there were actually um, people that pseudo-Dionysius, they, they took his style and continued to proclaim the faith. Uh, homilies written in pseudo-Dionysius' uh, name. What does this mean for us? Sometimes I, I feel like St. Paul sometimes, and when I preach, I flop. I never ticked off a whole Areopagus, though. Thank God for that. They never said, well, gee, look at the time. Well, maybe they do, and just don't tell me. <laughs> but I think we can take the same lesson that St. Paul did. Proclaim the gospel. Ask the Holy Spirit to be in their hearts. And that's all we can do. And even today, as we have this rogation day for the blessing of seeds, and we just said it, you know, fill up what we lack in that prayer. And, and we lack so much when it comes to proclaiming the gospel. We're as, about as efficient at proclaiming the gospel on our own as we are about making the seed grow. But God is not. We trust God, trust the Holy Spirit, and do what we need to do. But without the Holy Spirit, we're going to be ineffective. With the Holy Spirit, we cannot fail.